Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 133 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Dustin Kaufman with you. We'll tell you. Uh, Elliot Friedman, who will be returning in the middle of September to Oilers now, courtesy of our friends at River Cree Resort and Casino. Elliot Friedman has just tweeted out, the NHL has formally notified the NHLPA that it will not reopen the CBA. Deadline to do so is this weekend. The player window to reopen runs through September 15th. This means that the league is comfortable with the deal. The Players' Executive Committee, adds Friedman, and others who wish to attend, they meet Wednesday in Chicago. There is believed to be momentum in talks. It is possible that if a deal uh, cannot be done uh, by the 15th, both sides will agree to move the NHLPA's deadline to a later date. So what they're trying to avoid here is a lockout. So things are heading in uh, a pretty good uh, direction at this time. We're going to go to this day in Oilers history for our friends at New West Travel. Ask about their Oilers now. Hockey road trip to New York and Chicago. Uh, now, this these are separate trips. The Oilers' first trip of the year is in New York and then concludes in Chicago. But this is a different... Uh, the Chicago trip is the second uh, trip into Chicago this year. You can reach out to, to New West Travel and just got a couple spots left for New York City or go online at newwesttravel.com. On the state back in 2012, the Edmonton Oilers signed Jordan Everly to a six-year, $36 million contract extension, six times six after he had a 76-point campaign. He played five more seasons uh, in Edmonton and was a consistent uh, top-six performer before being shipped to the New York Islanders for Ryan Strom, who Pete Chiarelli subsequently traded for Ryan Spooner. That didn't exactly work out. All right, as promised, um, I've talked to this gentleman uh, several times, seen him in around town. He's a Oilers season ticket holder, makes his way in from White Court. He is hosting and a part of a group that's going to have the Hockey Heroes Charity Alumni Game. It's going to take place the first week in October. We welcome to Oilers now, Trent Goodrow. Trent, how are you? I'm okay, Bob. How's it going? Good, good. Tell us about sort of the concept and the idea of this event that you're going to have taking place October 4th and 5th. Uh, essentially, back when I've uh, attended a bunch of these events and, and really enjoyed myself, so 
Um, I have some friends that are big parts of charities uh, locally, so we're, we're running an event to help them out. Okay, and is is going to take place up in, where is it going to take place? Is it in Whitecourt, Fox Creek? Where about is it? Yeah, it's in Whitecourt at the Scott Safety Centre on October 5th. Uh, okay. We have a game, game with a bunch of uh, NHL alumni guys coming, uh, followed by a banquet with... Uh, Good food, live bands, live auctions. It, uh, it's going to be a great time. Okay. Uh, I, unfortunately, am going to be broadcasting a game that night, so I won't be able to attend. But tell us who are some of the alumni players, Trent, that you're going to have at that, that event. Uh, confirmed already are Marty McSorley, Paul Coffey, Mike Krushelniski, Shane Corson, and uh, I'm hoping to have two more here by the end of the week, and I'm just waiting for uh, confirmation. So has this uh, kind of been a dream of yours to get involved in something like this, Trent? It's just... It's a great time. If you if you try it once, you kind of get hooked. Um, like I said, I think this will be my 11th event I've played in. Okay. So it's uh, it's just an all around good time, and uh, we're raising money for a good cause. All right. Uh, what are what are the charitable organizations that you guys have targeted to uh, provide the proceeds for? Uh, the first one is the new new charity. It's called Gloves Off Sports. It's helping kids with disabilities get uh, hockey equipment. My youngest son plays with a boy who's got some help along the way, and his family started a charity, so we're we're looking to help them out. And then uh, the Whitecourt Community Lunchbox, we're, we're doing part of the fundraising for them as well. I worked up in uh, near Fox Creek back in 1987. In fact, uh, when the Oilers were beating Detroit in the playoffs, I used to have to drive to some high points up there to uh, to actually be able to listen to the, uh, the games on radio with Rod Phillips doing the call trends. So I have yeah. an appreciation <laughs> for, for that part. It's uh, There's hardworking people in Whitecourt and Fox Creek. How do people find, about, uh, find out more? Do you guys have a Twitter account? or a, a website for the Hockey Heroes Charity Alumni Game? Yeah, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got Instagram. Uh, if you just search Hockey Heroes, you'll find us. Um, yeah, just we got uh, tickets for sale for both watching the game, uh, coming to the banquet. Uh, if you want to play with the pros, we got packages available. Uh, deadline's coming up quick for that one because we got to get our gear in, but... Uh, yeah, just search us up and you'll find us. All right, Trent. Hey, we wish you the best of luck with it. Uh, say hi to Randy Bobke for me as well, and thanks for your time, okay? Yeah, thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Trent Goodrow with the Hockey Heroes Charity Alumni Game, and there's lots of these sort of events that uh, get done in and around town. Uh, you can text us at 630, 630. Uh, Brian S. took some issue with me, Bob. Role models shouldn't be anywhere near drugs. Our drug problem is horrible. Watch 60 Days in Narcoland or Drugs Incorporated. If you do drugs, you support drug cartels. I don't want to be owned by drug cartels and organized crime. Uh, that one comes to us from Brian S. My point was I really didn't want to get too judgmental on Kuznetsov on this issue. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Uh, apparently, he got caught with cocaine in a system. It's a personal choice people make. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is. I don't really know a lot of guys that dwell in that sort of business, and, and frankly, I never made enough money to even be able to afford to go down that path. So uh, we all have our different ways of dealing with things, and so it, it, uh, that's where I'm sort of... I mean, I was a guy for 25... Hey, I planted trees, okay? If it was up to me back in the mid-1980s, we would have legalized pot then. And I didn't. I don't even like smoking. Like, I don't even like that stuff, but uh, get me a Bailey's and coffee, and I'm a pretty happy man. You know what I'm saying? And some would say one's more destructive than the other, and I just, sometimes I think we, you know, maybe need to be a little less judgmental, but that's okay. Uh, you're entitled to your, uh, uh, your opinion as well. 
uh, this text comes in out of Red Deer, Bob, if Kuznetsov was a player that was underperforming, like, say, a Milan Lucic, do you think they would try to get out of his contract because of cocaine in his system? Well, that is an interesting point on our Heartland Ford text line. Very interesting point. Um, in Tampa Bay got out of... Who was the defenseman for Tampa Bay? Ended up signing with Anaheim. Don't know if he's back. Hard-nosed physical defenseman. Came into camp really heavy. And they did a termination contract. And then the NHLPA filed a grievance. I forget the guy's name. Uh, anyways, somebody can text us at 630-630. Bob, did you know that the White Court Arena has heated seats? Really? I did not know that. That is... Uh, uh, that was interesting. Uh, on our conversation on uh, Leon Dreisaitl, this text out of Edmonton, Bob, Leon is the worst defensive player, lazy and selfish. I'm sorry he's not the worst defensive player because he wins about 50, we won 52% of his face-offs, which helps the team in that regard. Holland has stated that Neil and Nugent Hopkins will be duo number two. Well, I think there's going to be some flexibility with that. Uh, this text comes in out of Edmonton. Bob, bring back Taylor Hall and play him with Leon. I like that pairing. Well, now you're talking about a different type of game. Jared says Bob Carey Price has been a top 10 player in the NHL in past years. There's been a couple times that's been the case, but uh, I know that Jack Michaels and myself uh, have animated conversations about Carey Price versus Marc-Andre Fleury. And I don't know if I consider Fleury to be a top 10. I think goaltender is just a different position. I don't know if you have the consistency in the position year after year after year. If you, like with Dominic Hasek, you would have said, yeah, he was a top 10 player in the NHL. Could have made an argument that Patrick Waugh might have been a top 10 player in the NHL. I don't know if we got a guy. Maybe four years ago, would we have said that Henrik Lundqvist was a top? I, I don't know. Like, goaltending's a tough one. Uh, text out of Edmonton, Bob. McDavid, Kucherov, McKinnon, Crosby, Kane, Drysettle, Marchand, uh, Barkov, Hedman, and Marner. Those are the 10 best players in the league. It's interesting. Uh, and thank you for the multiple guys. Uh, Chiro Kurt is saying Jake Dotchkin, Bob. That's the player you're thinking of with Tampa Bay that reported heavy. Um Regarding top 10, so this individual is going McDavid, Kucherov, McKinnon, Crosby, Kane, Drysaddle, Brad Marchand, Barkov, Hedman, and Marner. Okay. Okay. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Bob, if the Oilers don't uh, receive solid goaltending, they will not make the playoffs. You could say that on virtually any player or any team in the NHL. If they don't get good goaltending, they ain't going to make it. It's really uh, that simple. One more text. Where did the fizzler go? Bob, Brendan Ulrich is uh, BU's trying to sell the Oilers' dream, and Bob's throwing a wrench in the works with that 101-point prediction. That comes to us from fizzler. No fizzler. I'm just saying less could be more for the Oilers moving forward. Just before we uh, hook off to a break here and then hook up with Blake Dermott, I want to mention to you Royal Pizza is still making a great 50 years in Edmonton. Edmonton owned and operated... On through October, Royal Pizza offering the combo special, your choice of Greek or Caesar salad with garlic toast, two medium gourmet pizzas, and a four anniversary cookie special, all for just 50 bucks. You can pick that up at any of Royal Pizza's 14 Edmonton and area locations. Back with Blake Dermott from the Eskimos uh, football broadcast when we return in Oilers now. Hi, this is Ryan and Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 
145 at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Our next guest had the uh, misfortune of uh, being my sidekick for three years worth of Golden Bears football broadcast. Mind you, the team went 18 and 6 during those three seasons 7 and 1, 7 and 1, 4 and 4. It's been a long time since that's been the case. Uh, he currently uh, works on uh, the Edmonton Eskimo broadcast with uh, Morley Scott, who's out at practice right now, and uh, Dave Campbell. And he also does some work uh, with. Uh, uh, the Edmonton Wildcats, a proud uh, former Edmonton Eskimo player. I think he's, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth here, so I'll just ask him point blank. What is going on? There he is. Blake Dermott joins us right now. Blake, are you still working for Blaine as well over at Cowan Graphics? I am. Yes, uh, it's been uh, uh, almost 12 years now. There you go. How's it going, man? Long time no talk. No, no, I haven't, I haven't even seen you at any functions or anything. So, uh, no, so, it's been a while since I've had a chance to talk. So, uh, so you're lucky then is what you're saying. I, I guess I'm lucky, yeah. <laughs> uh, this Edmonton Eskimos football team, they're 6-4 and four right now. They've beaten the bad teams, but they've had some challenges against the good teams. What kind of team are they, Blake? You know, Bob, I've, I've seen them every game, uh, and, and every game I go into it, it doesn't matter who they're playing, they, they win the matchup. When, when you're looking at statistics, you're looking at player for player, you're looking at, I mean, there may be one position on a, on a team or two positions on a team that they, that they would be, uh, they wouldn't match up against. Um, but realistically, when you look at what this offense has been able to do to virtually every team, what this defense does to every team, I find it a little bit perplexing that they are sitting with four losses. Is there a lack of killer instinct from Trevor Harris at times and the offense? Do they maybe, no. I mean, you know, they got a very effective short passing game, but there is, a, is, you know what I'm saying? Are they lacking something come crunch time when they get in the red zone and that sort of thing? No, you know what I think it is, is that I, I, I don't think this team has a lack of killer instinct. I think that they they uh, they have that ability, but what they are right now, and, and it, it, it looks to me like when they get into position, especially in the red zone, um, they become fragile. And uh, it's like they, they, you know, they, they know that they've struggled. Uh, they they admit, admit it to everybody media that they've struggled in the red zone. And then, and then they put pressure on themselves. And if they don't have immediate success, like I watched that Toronto game a couple weeks back, and they went their first three drives, they were down the field and they scored on every drive. And every time they were in the red zone, they had success. But if they, uh, like the last game that they played against Winnipeg, they're in the red zone early, and they couldn't com- they couldn't convert to get a touchdown, so they had to kick a field goal. And those are the kinds of things that immediately, I think, they, the players start to grip the club harder. They they're trying, but they they that's when they make the mistakes. And I don't know if that's a concentration level, but it's certainly an, exec- an execution problem. Uh, there's a simple saying when it comes to football. Control the trenches, you win the battle, right? Like if you're going to... And I think the Eskimos, in fairness uh, to Brock Sunderland, I think they made concerted efforts to upgrade their uh, defensive front. I want to ask you about the offensive line because there's been injuries on that O-line this year. Do you think that's maybe played a bit of a factor at times is they just... Uh, because they've had guys moving around in different positions and things and they're not always at 100% that they haven't maybe been able to finish drives off because of the amount of different personnel they've had on that O-line? Well, I, I, I think it would be really easy to sit there and point the finger at that group, but the reality is a lot of the issues that they've had have been spread around that offense. It isn't just an offensive line problem. It's, it's certainly not. I think that offensive line has played 
very, very well this year. You know, when you you consider that they gave up three sacks, which is the most that they've given up all year, and they'd only given up three, in the last game they gave up three sacks, but they, they'd only given up three up to that point, and they are still miles ahead of the next closest team with respect to allowing pressure on the quarterback. So, so they, uh, but last game in particular against Winnipeg, Willie Jefferson had uh, a career game, and, uh, and, and I don't know if that exposed some players, but we find out now that, uh, that Kelly was playing injured, and you know they had a rookie at one tackle, and they had an injured guy at the other tackle, and, and Kelly's out for this game. So, so it's really difficult to be able to point the, the finger at that one group because there have been times when receivers have missed blocks or uh, uh, Kenny Stafford drops a, a sure pass uh, earlier in the year against Montreal on, on a third and um, a third and short. So it's spread around, and I'm sure that that uh, uh, Trevor Harris will take uh, uh, a fair amount of the blame as well. But uh, yeah, it, it's a team effort in why they're struggling in that part of the field. Are they good enough to beat the good teams? Like, can they beat Calgary that they're 0-1 against the Stamps and they're 0-2 against the Bombers? Well, you know, are they good enough? They should have beat Winnipeg both games. When you look statistically, and I know statistics are for losers, but two games that they played against Winnipeg, they had almost 1,000 yards of offense in two games, and they gave up 250, or sorry, they gave up just a little over 500 yards. They won the time of possession battle. They, they won virtually every statistical battle in, in the, the game against Winnipeg, but they had to kick 14 field goals in two games. That's why they lost that game. They, they, when you throw for or when you have uh, over 500 yards of offense, you don't lose games. The Eskimos lost games. They held their quarterback to 89 yards passing. 89 yards passing, and they lost that game. So I, I think that they, and Calgary was the same thing when they played Calgary. They, statistically, they ought to almost double the offense against those guys but they had trouble put, punching the ball in when they needed to. Uh, Blake, I'm going to switch things up. Uh, while I was gone on vacation, Jim Donlevy passed away. Uh, you were with the last Golden Bears team to win the Vanier Cup in 1980. You were also with the team in 81 when they lost uh, the Vanier, Tuck, uh, Vanier Cup. Coach Don Levy was part of those two teams. Uh, most people don't know this, but you also, also spent some time playing for Claire Drake, uh, who passed away a year ago. Those are... Two pretty reputable guys at the UVA program. Just give me your thoughts uh, specifically on Coach Don Levy and what it was like being around a really good Bears uh, program at that time. Well, you know, I, I had a, I had the opportunity with a, a few of my teammates to go down to Coach Don Levy's funeral, and and we did an awful lot of reminiscing and, and talking about things as we drove down to Calgary uh, to to Okotoks where the funeral was. You know, we were so young then; we didn't know any different. All we knew was that we were on a really good team and he had assembled a good team. When I remember my, when I came to the Bears in 1979, we were picked to be the last in our conference. And we ended up winning our conference that year and because we had, we had something ridiculous like 45 players on a roster and 27 of them were new to the team. But you don't assemble a team of players and bring them together that quickly and uh, to, be able to, to be able to compete for a national championship unless you've got a pretty sound background and, and knowledge to the game. And uh, Coach Don Levy had assembled a good coaching staff. Some of, the, some of them I, I keep in touch, uh, most of them I keep in touch with still. And uh, he put together a program when they hadn't been, they hadn't made the playoffs since 1972, I believe it was. And in 1977, we're in the uh, semifinals for the, for the national championship. And then, of course, the next two years we're in the national championship game with that group of players that, that he had brought together. And of that group of players, I think there was something like 
I think there was 14 guys from the years that I played that had an opportunity to play in the CFL. So it was a, it was a special time, and uh, I was very lucky to be a part of that. Uh, we broadcast the, the games in the mid-2000s. The Bears went 7-1, and 7-1, and 4-4. and four. They haven't been close to that uh, since. Um, you got any? I know you're doing work with the Wildcats. You got any feel at all for the Bears who kick off their season tonight over at Footfield against the traditional powerhouse Calgary Dinos? Yeah, I, I, I keep in touch with Chris Morris. I've talked with Chris. Um, uh, it's been a, a few weeks since I talked with him. I listened to him on the radio this morning, and and uh, there are some players that, that I coach that are on that uh, on that team, and, and uh, they have assembled. I remember working their spring camp last, last year, and, uh, and I, I, I couldn't believe the talent level that the team had. Um, they had they've, he's improved the infrastructure so well there. They're just one of those teams, again, that have had trouble getting over the edge. And when they started the season last year, they were in great shape. And, uh, and, uh, but then I think just the week before the season started, they lost seven starters due to injuries. And that gave them an opportunity to have success early in the year. Um, and this year, like when you talk to everybody that knows football in Alberta and high schools and stuff, the Golden Bears have won the recruiting battle for the last three years between them and the University of Calgary. But for some reason, Calgary's got this mindset that they are, you know, they're the best team, and people buy into it. And the, and the Bears are still trying to find their identity. They have some very good players in this team, and I'm looking forward to this matchup tonight. I'll get a chance to watch it, and I, uh, I think that they. He wants to be competitive, and I think they'll be competitive this year. He's not going to call how many wins they're going to have or anything like that. I just think they're going to be a very competitive football team. They're going to be fun to watch. Quickly, Blake, I'm being asked here, uh, how? uh, uh, give me a couple keys for the Eskimos against Calgary in in a minute or less. Okay. Uh, Well, they got uh, some some changes on their offensive line. Uh, Eric Lofton, it looks like he's good from Temple. Uh, He's going to go in at the right tackle spot. And they have uh, Travis Bond and uh, Matt O'Donnell's been out practicing at the left tackle spot. Everywhere else on the field, though, they're the same team. And I think, I think that the uh, the offensive line, as you mentioned, they've had some struggles with respect to injuries. Uh, that's going to be a challenge for them. We're having two two guys that uh, uh, are going to be in positions. O'Donnell hasn't played left tackle this year, um, and uh, this is the first one for Lofton. But I think that uh, the Eskimos are good enough. They're a good enough team, even if Bo's going to play. They're a good enough team to be able to, to beat the Stampeders. And, I, and I, I believe they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, the last time they, they played them, the special teams were was a problem for them. And I think the Eskimos, just, uh, in the last couple of games, has done a great job in improving that. And their uh, penalties per game are down to seven per game over the last three games. So that was also an issue that hurt them against Calgary last time. Blake, uh, let's do this again. And one of these days we'll get you to talk about your infamous line involving Hugh Campbell at the Eskimos dinner that year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm up for it. All right. See you, Blake. Take care. Thanks a lot, Bob. See ya. That's Blake Dermott. <laughs> it's still... Oh, man. it's It was so funny. All right. He's a funny guy. Great MC. Great host. Uh, Blake Dermott from the Eskimos broadcast. Morley down at the practice. Um... They'll have, uh, we will have Oilers Now, we'll have a one-hour abbreviated, it's it's an oxymoron, it's called Best of Oilers Now, not sure that actually exists, but uh, uh, 12 to 1 on Monday. Uh, we'll be back at our Mark Spector, Star for Inspector for Horse Race in Alberta, Tuesday on Oilers Now. Uh, of course, so Monday we'll have an hour of the show, then the Eskimos Battle of Alberta, Labor Day Classic against the Stamps with Morley and Dave and the whole gang. 
Tonight, Inside Sports with Reed Milk. Wilkins uh, up next. Uh, Wilkins as in Dominique. That's about all I have in common. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with Jalen Nye. Have a uh, wonderful Labor Day weekend, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.